Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night shir. We mean weekly. Nishmas, Nachem Yaakov Ben Tzviyir, Shalom Shalom, and Bachevachana, Shalom Basi Badul Chaim, Rabbi Avram Shiyachia. The Shabbos Parshas Kisisa, third of the Dalit Parshias. We had Shkolim, we had Zocher. And this Shabbos is Parshas Poro. There is this Havamina, there is a Svara, excuse me, not a Havamina, there is a Svara, there is one opinion that Parshas Poro as well is Midairaisa as is Zacher. We'll discuss the Mishnah in Parshas Poro. Also, the Yat Sashem, the Sunday is Chaf Aleph, other, which is the Yatat of Rameli Melech Lezhensk. Hopefully you have a story at least about him. Excuse me. That was first. Um, okay. Fushalema to Atlanta, Georgia. Hope it feels better. I see this since this year. Tomorrow I'll hear the greeting and the blessing. Sorry, <coughs> I need a cough button on this machine. Um, actually, in this week's parsha, it's interesting that we just read this parsha, this beginning of this parsha, two weeks ago, on parsha shkolim. As parsha shkolim is read, the beginning of Kisisa, which talks about the machzah shekel, the reason for the machzah shekel, etc., which is the shkolim. At the beginning of the passage starts off in Nosnu Ish Kefer and Nafshay Lashem. Ze Yitnu Machtasashekel. Each person should give for forgiveness of his nefesh, his soul to the Gabishta, to God. This is what they should give a Machatasashekel, a half a shekel. Rashi explains what is mach, what is he telling him? Ze Yitnu Ze means a person points at something. Ze is Marabe Etzba. When a person points with his finger at something and he says, This is what I'm referring to. What is the Zeh that he was referring to here? <coughs> I'm sorry. And the answer says Rashi that she showed him a fiery coin of a half shekel, of a machtas shekel. The Omar Lady said to him, exactly the way this looks, this is what they should give this half a shekel. Everybody knows the big, major question. <laughs> what was Mesha's question? When Mesha was asked to make the Meneda out of one piece of gold, uh, that's a little of a kunz. It's a trick. Meneda was such an intricate piece of art with the cups and the flowers and everything else, and the stem. To make this out of one piece of gold and to be such an artist and to be able to bang out it was a kunz, and therefore the Abisha said, okay, and he made it, and God made it, and took it out of the fire. So Mesh had to see how it was. But what was his question here when it says, a machzah shekel, and what's the answer? By showing him the machzah shekel, a matbeh eish, a fire, a, can, a coin of fire. How does that answer his question?
If you keep your score at home, Sech Tzchulin, Daf Membeis Amir Aleph, page forty-two, side one. There's a Tzitzis there, different Maschul Zeis. That starts the caption of the Tzitzis is Zeis, and he says the question, the, sh- the doubt that Mesha presented was a very interesting one. What can a person possibly give to forgive his soul? How is it possible that a Masa Shekel should forgive for the sin of the eagle of the golden calf? So Mesh's question had a lot of validity to it. It's interesting when we have Kaparis on Erevim Kippur, tradition has it, we take a chicken, if we can't get a chicken, you take a fish. It's today's day and age, where people are very, very OCD. <laughs> can't label people, but if people are just not happy having to hold and handle a chicken, and the thought of the chicken, as they say, pooping on their heads, is not a very, very interesting one to them. And therefore, they want to know, can I do it with money instead? And the answer is, yes, you can. They said, how much money? I said, how much are you worth? And I get this blank stare, or this drop jaw reaction. How much am I worth? I mean, you want to do the money, you want to say, this money is going in exchange for my life. Obviously, you're taking a substantial amount of money. You value your life tremendously. Now, when you take a chicken, the chicken you pay sometimes six, eight, ten, twelve, fifteen dollars for a chicken. It's not the price that you're paying for the chicken mm-hmm. per se. It's more the concept of the chicken itself. Not God forbid, as a sacrifice, because in all that being sacrifices, now that we don't, we don't have the actual temple, so it's not an actual sacrifice, but it is a symbolic issue and you say this tanakal is going to die and I will go to life and therefore you will see you see an essence you see a tangible thing in your hand that's going to die in your stead but money to take money it's an awkward question how much so this is Mesha's question here so the question and God answers him by showing him this fiery coin how how did God answer this question by showing him a fiery coin? The din of Machsa Shekel, the laws when it comes to revolving the half of a shekel, is Kaifin Esmi Shalainosan Achiyitin. Someone who has not yet given is forced to give it. And you take it for him in force. This is a Rambam right in Hilchash Kolim. So we find that this kapara of kefer nafshay, the redeeming, the forgiveness of your soul, comes through giving even if the person doesn't want to give. And even more so, by sacrifice, there are certain sacrifices people need to bring. It says, kefer eisei, kefer eisei 
You force him until he says, I want it. I want to do it. By a get, if a person has to give a, does not want to give his get to his wife, you force him, he forces his hand until he says, okay, I want, I want to do it, I want to do it. Here, in this case, it doesn't work that way. He gives it, he doesn't have to say, he doesn't have to say, I want to do it. This is what shocks Moshe more than anything else. How is it possible that something should forgive the horrific sin of the golden calf through a person giving it without even wanting to give it? This is what God showed him by showing him the coin of fire in flame. He tells him as follows, no matter what situation a Jew is in. There are Jews that are righteous. There are Jews that are working on becoming righteous. And there are Jews that don't do any mitzvahs whatsoever. But, within each and every Jew there's an ash, a fire. This fire is the essence of his soul. The etzem haneshama. This is the pintalayid, as it's called in Chassidus. This pintle is always bound to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, bound to the Almighty, in whatever situation it might be. And this we find, this connection, is found not only in the essence of the Neshama, but in the, each thing a person does. For even, for also, the pu'ul is the actions of a person. With his essence, is la- essence of life, his essence of his neshama. We find, therefore, everything a person does is bound with fire. That's the pintaliyid that he has within him, that flame. I don't know if I told the story by the shir, if I told the story elsewhere, of the the yid, the chevron. When the massacre, the chevron massacre, and there was one fellow that Nebuch used to hang with the Arabs always. And when they came to house to house to kill all the Jews, and they said, who are you? And the Arabs vouched for him and said, he's an Arab like us. And they walked away, they were ready to let him live. And he came running out and said, no, I am Jewish. And let them kill him. And he died on Kiddush Hashem. Because the Pintaliyid would not let him say that he was not. And therefore... By showing the giving of machzah shekel is done by force. This as this idea of it being done by force, not with the want of a person. This is bound with the etzim of the ash of the neshama, the flame within the soul. Because the matbeya shall ash, the matbeya that comes, the coin of fire that comes from what happens, the actions of the or source and the essence of the soul. And therefore, it's Bekayach to give this, to reveal his connection between the Jew and the Almighty, and to forgive even on the Chet HaEgel Rachman al-Etzlan. This is why he shows him the Madbeya Shalesh, the coin of fire.
Parash Kisisa. The word Kisisa. Kisisa es reish b'neisa, when you will raise up the heads of the Jews. L'cheira, according to the beginning of the Parsha, according to the title of the Parsha, one would imagine the Parsha will speak about the greatness of the Jews and how we raise up the Jews, how the Jews achieve greatness. But no. What is this Parsha talking about? This Parsha discusses the downfall of the Jewish nation, the most humiliating moment of the Jewish nation, where the Jewish nation, literally, after hearing from God Himself the Ten Commandments, after receiving the Torah on Sinai, the Jewish nation goes out and sins with the golden calf. And from Shani on, this Pasha begins to discuss this story. Although a muktam not although, because a muktam because the Tera does not have an earlier beginning, it's not a chronological order necessarily. So this story is now brought down of the calf, of the golden calf, how the Jews sinned by the golden calf. I don't know. It doesn't sound very glorious to me. It doesn't sound like something that the Jews are being raised up with. So, where do we find in our title of our Pasha Kisisa this very essence, this story of the Cheta Egel. We're going to discuss that in Yitzhak Hashem. I'd like to take a few other parts of the Pasha first. I'd like to Yitzhak Hashem to talk also about Pasha's Para. And of course, we are going to start about Chedesh Nisan. Pasha we find Meshe Rabbeinu's great sacrifice for the Jewish nation we find the greatness of the Jewish woman where Arnakayan when he was confronted by the Jews to get, to make a God he tells them go to the women and get from them their gold this was a stall tactic 
in essence. Because he knew very, very well the women were not giving them the gold. The women were going to give them a knacken cup of alcohol. So, what he didn't realize was that the men were in such a frenzy and a tizzy, they tore their own gold rings out of their noses so that they can get this thing happening. The passage tells us, Mi Asher All those that have sinned against me, I will wipe from my Sefer. This shows a tremendous positive statement here. The form of the forgiveness of Shechotli. Chazal tell us, Eiraisa, Bukutshebrichu Kulachad. Sages tell us, brought down in the Zayar, Teda, the Almighty, are all one. Really says, The Jews, the Teda, and the Almighty are all one. Still in all, it says, Teda and Yisrael, the way of the person it says in the Teda, when the, te- the way a person talks, it says the word Teda first. I, says the Zayah, say first Yisrael. Because the source of the Jewish soul is higher than Teda. And it's united, it's one with the Almighty in a totally different fashion. Kedman. So not only does Yisrael have to come together with Kudshabrihu with through Eiraisa, but Yisrael, the essence of its Neshama, connects directly to the Almighty. Why? Because the fact is, Yisrael Afapi Shechoto, Yisrael Hu. If you keep in track at home again, Sanhedrin, Mem Dalid, Amrala 44, side 1. Let me get water to drink. What is it? Try. Also, these people that have cut themselves away from Tera are still called Yisrael. The name Yisrael is still on them. Because the fact that they have severed themselves from Tera does not sever their connection to the Almighty. According to this, we now understand. The words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is for you. That whoever sinned against me, me ashechotali, that is Eva and a chet, the hardest, the sin most severe chet, 
even the Chet Ha'egel, the cylinder of the golden calf, and he severs himself from Misifli. The Almighty will wipe this out from the Teda. Even though through this, it reveals the connection between HaKadosh Baruch and Yisrael, which is before Teda, but still in all sins, Chote Yisrael, even though he sinned, he's still Yisrael. And therefore, this connection itself reveals itself to the sinners and those that are forgiven, and they tie themselves with Teda together again. There's one of the vessels again mentioned in this parsha. We thought we had everything in Truma, then we found out in Tzitzave the mention of the Mizbeach Apnimi, of Zov. And now in this parsha we have the Kier, the wash basin. The wash basin would wash the hands and the feet of the Kayan. But this was different than any other vessel in the entire temple. Thank you. All the vessels mentioned in Pashas Truma, Pashtitzava. I don't know how to make a bracha on this. I'll try anyway. Wow. Dry. <laughs> Apple cider. <coughs> <coughs> All the vessels mentioned in Pasha's Truma and the Tzave, yet the Kir mentioned in our Pasha. But first, tell us the reason for this is. The kir was not made, was not used to cause that the shkina should rest in the mishkan. <coughs> All the other vessels had a purpose, the mizbechas, the menedah, the, the shulchan, etc., had a purpose for the abish to rest in the mishkan. The kir was only a preparation, something, a preparatory, a preparatory vessel. Something that was used only for preparing Kahanim for their service. And therefore it's not mentioned before with all the other Kalim. It's only a Kalim that's used to prepare so that the people can go in. But not something that was in essence tied in with the actual service to make the Shkina rest itself in the temple. So we find therefore the Kir. Looks like it's in a very, very low level this basin because it's only Achana it's not part of the work on the other hand it's only the Kir that we find something that none of the other Kalim have and this is hinted with Meshach Rabbeinu if we keep score at home, Mesech the Zvachim, Chafalif Hamid Beis, 21, side 2. 
And the Gemara tells us that the Shira Pachas be Yesa Shalakiru, Kedir Kadish Arba Kahana Mimeno. How much water does the Kir have to hold minimally, minim, minimally, to be able to wash four Kahanim? Where were the four people that we knew that had to be, the Kaddish had to be washed right in the beginning? In the days of the prepare, preparation of the Mishkin? Meisha, Aaron and his two sons. Meisha and Aaron and his two, Aaron's two sons. Therefore, we see a specialty to this kier, which connects it directly to Meishe Rabbeinu, which makes it, of course, higher than any other ones. The rest of the vessels—it's higher than all the kahanim, and its service is greater. The fact that the kier was not an actual Kaili used for the Holy Temple, for service in the Temple, and the fact that it's hinted with Meshe Rabbeinu, these two facts are tied one with the other. The preparation, the general preparation to come forth to the Almighty, which is hinted in the Kiev, Rachzu Esideim V'Yesraglehem, wash their hands and feet, that a Jew needs to wash, needs to rinse himself from all outside sources, needs to bend his Yetzirah, twist his Yetzirah away, and all his temptations, and prepare himself always to serve the Almighty. However, even though this Aveda, this Achana, is only Achana, it's only a preparation, it has to do with washing. Things that cleanse are Dafka preparation, which causes the Skafia Sitrachna, the turning over of Sitrachna, the Conquering of the Eight Sahara and the Klippa. And Dafka, through this Aveda, we find that a person has an Indian built Yerotsi of Yet Sahara, something that's not good, and Yet Sahara. This is able to therefore nullify all the outside sources and help him to accept the yoke of the heavenly yoke. This is more dear to the Almighty than the Aveda itself, than what the person does itself, if one prepares himself properly for the actual service. This is therefore hinted with the kir, with this vessel, with this basin. Dafka, this kir is hinted and connected with Meshra Rabbeinu. Because it Conquers the Yitzhahara, the Sitrachra. It totally purifies and elevates the person so that he's ready for Kabbalah's oil. 
and he's ready for Kabbalah. Sail to the Misha Amar to the Almighty God. That's the idea of Mesha, Bittul to the Almighty, total self nullification. So this week's Pasha, this week's Shabbos, is Pasha's Parah. Pasha's Golem is Shabbos Shkedesh, or Shabbos Mevorchim, Kedesh Oder. But Pasha's Golem is not connected, Ki with Pasha's Zohar. There's no before or after of Pasha Shkolin that connects it to Pasha Zacher. Whereas Pasha's Pora, on the other hand, Pasha's Pora is connected to Pasha Zachidish. Pasha's Parah is the Shabbos before Shabbos HaChedish. So if Pasha HaChedish comes out as Shchedish Nisan, the Shabbos before is Parah. If, if Pasha HaChedish is Mervarchim HaChedish Chedish Nisan, Pasha's Parah is the Shabbos before. So at all times, Pasha's Parah is read the Shabbos before Pasha's Achidosh. What are the connection? <coughs> Excuse me. Pasha's Achidosh, we talk about, we read about Karim Pesach. In order to bring the Karim Pesach, we need to be pure. We need to be clean. When, how does the Jew become clean from Tommy Mason? Because it becomes clean through the Parah Aduma, the red heifer, which we discussed many times. Therefore, Pasha's Parah comes before because that is the Taharos and Shekol Yisrael. And it's a preparation for Karim Pesach. We still, it's not so clear here. To bring the Karim Pesach, the entire Jewish nation does not have to be clean. A minority. They are Tommy Mason, they need to be cleaned, they need to be purified. If the majority of the nation is Tommy Mason, taste this stuff. <laughs> if the majority of the nation is Tamea, Tommy Mason, Then the carbon is brought to Tumah. And we don't have to purify it beforehand. So why does Pasha Chazal, why does the Chazal tell us Pasha's Pora is directly connected to Pasha Chedish because the Jews have to be purified. 
not just the Jews, to Hadassim, call Yisrael, all the Jews need to be purified. Much easier. We can explain this spiritually speaking. The spiritual essence of a paraduma is what causes the push in the service of a Jew. Every situation, every time, at any time, at any time, in any situation. If a Jew cannot achieve the spiritual service of Karben Pesach without first achieving the spiritual cleansing of Paraduma. The life of a Jew is Va'atem Hadvekim Bashem Alekechem. And therefore, Chayim Kulchem Ayim. Because you are attached to God, therefore you are all alive today. Vatim Adveikim, Vashem Adikechem, Chayim Kulchem Ayim is the seven words which uh, many people have a custom. They count the, the tzuras on their arm, make sure they have seven. They count Vatim Adveikim, Vashem Adikechem, Chayim Kulchem Ayim. It's an interesting custom, not Chabad. Don't push too many buttons. <laughs> when God forbid a Jew does a sin, though, he, as we said before, he severs himself from God. The sins would separate them. Therefore, when it's lacking you're not attached because you're severed, then you don't have the Chaim Kulchem. You're not all alive. If a person therefore, Rahman al considered dead. This is considered a spiritual death. So when a person becomes Tommy Mace, they put on him the offer of Paraduma in order to make him pure. Same thing also is the union of offer of Ruchnius. Same thing, the spiritual offer, the, the ashes of the Paraduma. If a person was such as it was in such a situation that he felt himself severed from the Almighty, and he can still repent, then he repents, comes back to his source, the Davishta. And he comes out, he brings himself out of the situation. He's no longer dead. Because now that he's attached again, he's Chayim Kulchem. He's alive. This is also the reason that the preparation of the Afra Paraduma, the burning it, and everything is done outside the three Machinas. Every other sacrifice had to be done in the temple. This was done outside the three, the three camps. Because the dirt, the earth of Paraduma, its concept is to purify and to attach. So that a person is purified and can attach himself to God. Which people is that for? One who are impure, 
and detached. And where do they find themselves? They find themselves outside of the camp of spirituality. They take themselves out of holiness. However, the slaughtering of Paraduma and the burning therefore has to be done on the outside of the three machnas. And the spraying has to be Nechach facing towards the front of the oil Mayid. And one needs to have in mind. And he has to see the door of the Hechel when he sprays the blood. Because what is the concept of Tshuva? That a person should connect himself once again to God. Someone who finds himself on the outside looking in needs to be brought back in. How does a person achieve this great, great level? How does one ascertain this? He's facing towards the Pnei This is therefore the union of offer the ashes of the Paraduma Biruchnis. It's Aveda Tshuva, which brings the person from Tomei Meis and Pirid from Akadish Baruch Impurity and separation from the Almighty. And brings the person back to connect one with the Abishta and therefore become alive again. Therefore, this is the essence of the Paraduma, which therefore connects, reconnects the Jew and his soul, since sinning severs the connection. Moshe Rabbeinu spends three sets of 30 days, 40 days, excuse me, 40 days he goes up and he receives the Luchas Rishenes. Then he comes down, there's the Chet Egel, the sin of the golden calf, he has to go back up again for 40 days to ask forgiveness, and another 40 days to get the second Luchis. And we said before, this is mentioned where? In a Pasha with the name of Kisiso. When the Jews will raise up, you'll raise up the heads of the Jewish nation. And we asked the question before, where do we see the concept of Kisisa of raising up when it talks about Vayaram Mesha? The nation saw that Mesha was tardying until the end of the Pasha, which talks about that the Jews tied themselves in with Chet And so much so that this brought about the breaking of the Luchas. And ultimately the prayer of Mesha to forgive the Jews. Including the Yigilim Yilis Rachim. And the way a person, the order in which a person needs to ask Rachim. Until the second Luchas were given. And after that the Almighty forgave the Jews full heartedly. This is hinted also in the beginning of the Parsha. 
As we said before, Nosnu is kei for nafshi. Zayit nukol ever al b'kudu machsa shekel, lechaper al nafshi seichem. That the idea of the machsa shekel, the kei for nafshi, is lechaper al nafshi seichem. To forgive your souls. And Chazal explained that the giving of machsa shekel comes in order to forgive. What does that have to do with Tisa? With raising up? I mean, it's a total oxymoron. And Tisa is what? Not raising up only, but raising in a form, in a level of Isnasus, of highest of levels. Another stress on the concept of Tisa, it's not just Tisa. Kisisa, if you will be raised up. Kisisa, not only B'nai Yisrael, not only the Jewish nation themselves, but as Reish B'nai Yisrael, the head of the Jewish nation. Not just the low person, the average person, the mediocre person, but the head. The Reish. So where does it come to here? The Reish B'nai Yisrael. The B'nai Yisrael, in Yisrael, the word itself, Yisrael, is also letters, Li Reish, to my head. The head of Yisrael. And this, Lashon of course, referring to the whole nation, and we talk about the great Maila of Tisa, of raising up the Reish B'nai Yisrael in the concept of Tisa of raising it up where does it talk about? in a Pasha which later discusses the downfall of the Jewish nation where does one come in with the other? Perhaps we can explain a little bit the essence of this chin, the sin of the eagle. And we'll see therefore, perhaps, how it actually raises up the Jews. First of all, we know it was Yerida, Yerida Tzerechaliya. It was a Yerida, a dropping, a going down. In order for a person to get higher, the person sometimes has to go down first. Sometimes when we take down to shoot up a tree, shoot something out for a tree, we bend over the branches, we bring it down to a lower than the top of the tree, and then we leave go, and it goes and rises even higher than it was before. Mm. Even more than that. Tafke, through the going down, the Yerida, the lowest Yerida of the Chet Egel, was able to make the highest Aliyah of Sisa's Reish. This can only happen after the Chata Ego. In addition, the Bnei Yisrael became now a level of Bali Tshuva. And Bali Tshuva, when they stand next to Tzadikim Gemurim, Rizal tell us, keeping score at home, it's Besachim's Brachas, Lamed Dalaramad Beis, 34, side 2, it says, 
Welcome, Shabbat Shuvah, Eimdim. Tzadikim Gemurim, Eimdim, Eimdim. Eimdim Yechelim Lamid. The place where Balit Shuvah stand, full-hearted Tzadikim cannot even stand there. And this, therefore, is stressed even more in the concept of the second Luchas. But the second Luchas were given Dafka after the first one were broken. Therefore, the Ebesha says to the Mesha, Yeshekeach, Shekechacha thanks Moshe for breaking them so that he can give them the second Lucas which you can fly him to Shia. Truth to be told, we'll examine the Chet Eagle. The Jews did not really sin, Avedezana. They were not outright ready to sin with idol worship. We look at the Lashon of the, the Jews, the words, the wording that they say, they tell Aaron Akayan, Mesha is holding back. He's Baishish Mesha. And he says that the Sultan showed the Jews Mesha Abed dead. So if Mesha Abed was dead, the Jews said we need another intermediary. Another go-between between us and God. <coughs> Aaron, you're obviously not fit for that, Haraya. Meisha was chosen over you. You were the older brother, but Meisha was chosen, not you were chosen. So therefore they come to Aaron and they say, get us another guy, another in-between. A go-to, a go-to something between us and God. And therefore the ego they were going to make, or whatever they were going to make, was not here to make it a new God, a new deity. It was there to make just something that would be another go between between them and the Evishta. And at that stage in time, they still believed God. It was only after that things evolved that it turned into the Zavidizara. We need to focus always on those things. The story, since it's Chafalov Adr this weekend, the Melech Lejens, many people are traveling to Lejens, I'll call you Shal. There's a famous story of a chassid that came to the Melech Lezhensk and cried his heart out and said, Rebbe, I have a daughter who has to get married. Nietu Dengi. I got no money for this. I can't pay for anything. And um, they're offering a beautiful shidduch. And I can't say yes to it. I don't want to say no, but I can't say yes because I can't pay for anything. And cried and cried and cried and the Melech Lezhensk was not giving him a shoulder. He was not giving him space to cry on. And it was awkward. The Chassid felt very... The Rebbe was being very distanced to him. But then, ironically, the Rebbe reaches into his drawer, the Melech reaches into his drawer, and gives the fellow three coins, each one worth a whopping ten kopecks. No, you couldn't buy the newspaper for this money. I mean, I'm sure you could buy something small. You can't make a wedding with this. A wedding you needed a minimum of uh, 500, 1,000 kopecks. 30 cup is getting in the way. 
Chassid was looking at the Rebbe, maybe the Rebbe didn't understand. Maybe the Rebbe was confused. Maybe the Rebbe was thinking about somebody else asked for something. What am I going to do with 30 copics? But the Rebbe looked away as if our audience is finished. Chassid backed out. He took his 30 copics in his pocket and started trudgingly to go home. Back on his journey home, what will he tell his wife? What will he tell his daughter? Is the way they can do the shidduch, they can make a wedding. And he's getting to the outskirts of Lizhensk, and he hears a voice screaming and yelling, Wait, stop, stop, stop! And he sees one of the chassidim that's very close by Elimelech, he's chasing him. Ha! He says, The devil was fooling me. Never now realize that 30 copies is not getting me anywhere. I'm sure he's sending me enough money. Chassid comes to him and he says to him, The Rebbe said, give back one coin. Mm-hmm. Chassid said, what? The Rebbe said, gave you one coin too many. You shouldn't have 30 copies, you only have 20. <laughs> Chassid said, listen, it's not going to make or break the bank. He gave back the 10 copics. And now he didn't know what to feel. He said, he told him, they should think positive. Punished. Chassid gets into the forest, he's walking along, and all of a sudden he sees, he sees a bunch of young hooligans around a campfire. And the hooligans come over to him and he says, and they show him a purse, a wallet. And they say, you want to buy the wallet? 30 cupcakes. It's a beautiful wallet. Leather with trimmings and everything. It's a beautiful, beautiful wallet. He feels, the, he takes the wallet in his hand and he feels real. And he squeezes it and he sees something inside. He opens it up and there was marks. It wasn't copics. It wasn't the Russian money. It was German money. But he saw that it must have been a, a fortune in there. No. He says, how much you want for the wallet? They said 30 copics. What do I do? I only have 20. I'll buy Yiddish a cup, say Yiddish a cup. And they told him, you know what, don't worry, we're going to give you the, with the, the purse, with the pictures. They thought it's pictures inside. Give it to you with the pictures. He says, I'll tell you what, he says, I can't afford it. I have 20 copies, I'll give you the 20 copies, give me just the pictures. Keep the purse, sell the purse to somebody else. No. <laughs> he wants to buy the pictures for 20 copies, the stupid fool. Sure, take the pictures. And now we have the purse, we can sell the purse again for 30 copics. And Kachabe, he picks himself up with his papers and his pictures and then left. He runs for his new life. <laughs> Der Weiler comes home and he uh, tells his wife the whole story. And she says, wait a minute. Don't be so happy yet. Don't pat yourself on the back yet. Mm-hmm. What happens if this is a Jew's money? 
can't just take a person's money. You lost it. Tremendous amount of money. This is, I mean, this is a wealth. There's a kingdom here. You're wealthy now. But it might be a Jew's money. And if it's Jew's money, you can't just take it away from him. You need to go and call it out. Alright, so he picks himself up and he decides he's going to go back to Lizhensk. First of all, he has to give Elimelech Tzedakah now. He's a rich man. And he's going to ask around in Lizhensk what they say. So, he comes to Lizhensk and He doesn't walk too far, and he sees one of the Gshkotsen, one of the hooligans that was sitting around the fire that sold him the papers. But he's not looking too good. He's banged up from head to toe. And he says to him, Hey, what happened to you? Oh, you're the guy that bought the pictures. Yeah. You're a lucky guy. Why am I a lucky guy? It turns out the purse belonged to the Parrots. But the Parrots is a big anti-Semite. Squire. He's a big anti-Semite. He don't like Jews. And after you left, one of my friends accidentally dropped the purse next to the fire. And he got singed. That singe got burnt a little bit, so he said, nothing we can do with it now. And all of a sudden, as we're sitting there, a wagon comes. And it was the pirates. He said, where's my purse? And we showed him the purse sitting in the fire burning. He started giving us a what for. And he gave us a beating that we'll never forget. So you're lucky you just took the pictures because if you'd have taken the purse he would have come chasing you because he liked that person he wanted that purse back but since you only took the pictures he thought the pictures burnt in the fire too <laughs> so he didn't come looking for you so the Jew got his answer already the money did not belong to any Jews it belonged to the Parrots and therefore there was no problem keeping the money. It was Elimelech Lezhensk's Nevur, Ruch that saved him by not letting him have 30 copics and taking back one coin, so they only had 20, and therefore did not have enough money only for the pictures, not for the actual purse. Shleishim Yem Kedem Achag, Shagmarach tells us, Simen Tov Chavtes, Thirty days before the Yamtiv, for Chagapesach, we ask the halachas of the Yamtiv. From the day of Purim itself on, in order that the people should be bakim, should be knowledgeable in the halachas of the Yamtiv and know what to do. In today's generation, there's Rabbi Google, and there's Sfarim, and there's translated books, and everything is translated into English languages, or all other languages that people need. 
And therefore people can sit and read up and be well informed about each holiday. They have Haggadahs in all different languages, all different explanations with all different instructions. But still in all, it's a mitzvah to start doing this 30 days before the Yomtev so the person should know what he's doing. Um, women don't believe this, but according to this, 30 days before Pesach, we need to start cleaning for Pesach. Women start way before 30 days before. Women say, Hanukkah finished, oh no, here comes Pesach. Little hiccup, middle called Purim, which they try to make as beautiful as possible, but uh oh, here comes Pesach. The walls in the kitchen need to be cleaned. Of course, all the things that uh, are stuck on pots, pans, and everything need to be taken off. <coughs> the walls in the kitchen need to be cleaned. Anywhere that there could have been any kind of kemach, something fell over there, you see, pick it up. There. Any kind of kemach, any kind of flowers has to be taken care of. You should not eat near open svarim. So if Hamas doesn't fall into the svarim, And one should make sure that, I mean, even some say starch shirts, you should stop starching your shirts for 30 days before Pesach. It's because the starch might have some kind of flour in it. It might get stuck and you'll get this crumb in your in your food. It doesn't matter. The comments is not possible. It's not really like he Kelev, but it's still, it's a... a Kernel, a kernel, a kernel could be they could turn into something. Um, you're allowed to put up wallpaper and these things at this time, even though the glue is common stick, because that, as you say, is not very lucky with Keller. Um, Obviously, people should clean all their whatever they have that has to be cleaned before Yom Tif. People should see to it that anything they have in their pockets should be cleaned out. People should turn their pockets inside out for Pesach to make sure there's nothing in their pockets. Many people after the Kiddush and Shabbos like to put Kugel in their pocket to take it home um, because it's usually an Erev. You don't do that, huh? You never put Kugel in your pocket on Shabbos? Okay, good. Kishka, nothing? Okay. Fine. <laughs> um, you should uh, try to empty your house, not try to sell things. People should try to buy minimums now for what they need alone so that they can finish off everything. Psst. They can finish off everything so that when it comes Pesach, there'll be less to sell because you don't want to give too much to the rabbi after all. Meshach ben Shalom established that the Jews should have each Chochem should teach the city about the Yom Tif, the miracle that happened this Yom Tif. Pesach Mitzvah Mitzrayim, Tzeres and Shuvah is about Matan Teira, is about the Nanei Covid, and of course also halachas that can be discussed. <coughs> Since there are always new halachas, new hechshedim and new things that come up with that are good and something become bad. 
<coughs> therefore all these things should be discussed beforehand and the Rabbanim should be consulted and of course Shabbos before Pesach is Shabbos HaGodl and we know that all the dinim then that are relevant should be discussed then it's nice to set up Shiurim during this week's for Pesach so people should learn about the Yom Tev and of course we wish each other Chakashur Sameach when it comes to Chag Pesach and hopefully this year not hopefully, this year definitely we'll be eating our current Pesach in Yerushalayim because we're going to have the Paraduma to make us clean and pure this Shabbos so that we can eat from the current Pesach Nechosham Min Azvachim Min Absachim Shabbat Shalom Shalom